0: Please listen carefully.
1: Hello, universe. Welcome to the Optimist Daily
0: Update. I'm Christy Janssen. And I'm Summers McKay. And we are part of the
1: team behind the Optimist Daily, making solutions the news. We bring you reader-funded solutions news every day in order to change the tenor of news media, social media, and the direction of
0: your day to help us all get focused on solutions. Seven days a week, we publish positive news stories written by award-winning journalists and delivered online to your inbox and through our social channels. And also, we are sharing these solutions in a commute-worthy, walk-worthy, home-office-worthy, after commiseration with fellow sisters-worthy podcast. Today is Wednesday, the 27th of April, 2022. Happy Hump Day, Christy. How are you? Happy Wednesday, Summers. Yes. It is the middle of the week. I am definitely feeling some middle-of-the-week kind of like grumps, I'm not going to lie. I had this kind of funny thing happen yesterday, and it's not that funny. It was just, you know, we talk a lot about aging. We talk a lot about being parents and surviving in this crazy world. And I have been on a path to just kind of stepping into this new chapter of my 44-year-old self. And so I made the decision that I was going to get Botox and I was going to get it between my eyebrows because I have the permafrown. I call it like my squinty eye situation. And I, I simultaneously like set up an appointment with my eye doctor to also get an updated glasses prescription. And I went in to get my Botox and they handed me a questionnaire And one of the first questions was, are you breastfeeding? Oh. And I am still breastfeeding. And then the nurses were like, oh, you have a new baby? And I was like, well, no, she's not a new baby. She's almost three. They were very nice about it. But I felt embarrassed in my own way that I was going to get Botox, but then so proud. I have waited six weeks for this appointment. I like left work, the whole team, I was like, I'm sorry, I have a doctor's appointment to go to. And then I felt embarrassed that I have a three-year-old that we're still breastfeeding. And I found myself doing this whole, you know, COVID babies got sent home with their moms. I felt so much shame yesterday about Motherhood and aging that, like, I ended up just buying really expensive face cream and left because they wouldn't give me Botox, right? So now I have <laughs> absurdly expensive face cream that is of probably no use, right? Coconut oil would do just fine. <laughs> I am sitting right in the middle of middle aged womanhood and motherhood, and I am feeling very grumpy. <laughs> That's where I'm at.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, that is fair that is fair yeah. i'm sorry that that was challenging and just so you know i mean i mean you're probably not going to continue to breastfeed until she's 7 so at some point in the next year you'll be able to do this and get rid of your frown if you want to right. but or maybe you'll reconsider maybe right. you'll, you'll decide to embrace the lines the smile lines and the the mobile face that is expressive and beautiful and why?
0: You know, either way, I think I'll still have facial expression and wisdom. But I mean, we're just like at the very tail end. It's almost done. We'll get there. But yeah. Motherhood is really tricky, Christy, isn't it? It is. It is.
1: You know, my son is learning to drive and I'm trying to be good about letting him drive me places without
0: over-directing. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really easy and other times it's
1: really not.
0: Do you like find yourself pushing the brake and pushing the gas with your foot kind of faking it? No.
1: There's times when we're driving like on a a little bit of a windy mountain road where I find myself gripping Mm -hmm. the side door very firmly and holding my breath Mm -hmm. and trying to not Ah. say slow down a little bit or uh, make sure you're – not getting too close to the center line. <laughs> Those kinds of things. Right. And then also he, up until now, has wanted me to tell him when it's time to turn. When you know, And this last time that he drove me home from school, he said, I'm going to try to find my way. But almost immediately, I'm like, are you going to put your blinker on? Without realizing that he was actually planning to go straight through the stop sign and not turn, even though – in my mind, the best way to go home was to turn left on that at that stop. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's just like balancing. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you stop being? Yeah, where do you trust your kid to be the young adult person that they're becoming? The transitions are challenging, and you're going through a transition with your daughter. Yes. I'm going through a transition with my son, so mm-hmm. that's why I was bringing that up.
0: Well, perhaps the greatest transition between a mother and child is
1: yes. Yes. Tell us about your story. The headline reads, understanding choices around birthing could save mothers' lives. The reason I wanted to highlight this story today is that this is a a real issue that we have, especially in the United States, because the U.S. has the highest, the highest perinatal morbidity and mortality rate of all high-resource countries. The perinatal period is the period when a mother becomes pregnant up to a year after giving birth or when a person becomes pregnant. Some people, I guess, who give birth don't identify as a woman. The risk is especially high among Black women and Hispanic women. It's three times higher for individuals in those demographics. And the factors that contribute to these rates are complicated. It's a complicated mm-hmm. to just come up with a solution. It's not like we can just say, oh, if we did this, then that would drop. There's so many different things that go into this issue. Previously, studies have focused on some of these individual factors and have not looked at the systemic challenges and all of the factors that influence it. And so that's what this article is about, a study that came out of Boston College that was kind of a meta-analysis of Mm -hmm. the data Mm -hmm. from 23 different published studies around the topic, which explore the decision-making factors that impact choices around birthing. One of those choices is are you going to give birth in a hospital or are you going to give birth in a home setting or in a in a birth center, which okay. is run by like midwives, for example? And also what kind of prenatal care are you getting and how how accessible is that prenatal care? I mean, unfortunately, there's lots of areas in the United States that don't have easy access to good prenatal care. And the birth centers are A growing segment, and there's a lot of wisdom there, but they're not available everywhere. Out of 3.61 million births annually in the United States, over 98% occur in a hospital setting, with just about 2% in birth centers or at home. And which setting is chosen often influences the rates of intervention and the satisfaction with the care and the health costs. And actually, if you have a non complicated birth, and you give birth in a midwife run birth center, you have a much lower risk of having unnecessary interventions compared to if you are giving birth in a hospital setting. And when you do have surgery, I mean, sometimes that can be the thing that absolutely saves your life, the mother's life and the baby's life. But sometimes that's not the best choice. One of the things that this study found is that there's a limited options and limited access especially for mm-hmm. populations that, you know, that are not in cities and that don't have the affluence or the um, influences, including family, friends, birthing awareness, access to options, both physical and financial, right. to have a non-surgical type of setting to give birth in. So this study is just talking about that. And I just think it's a really important thing to bring awareness to. That's why I wanted to talk about it.
0: Yeah, I think w- when we talk about maternal health and parent health, women health, you know, the rate of death from heart disease is substantially higher for black women and other people of color, other women of color than it is for white women. And we've talked about before, Christy, that medical bias exists because you have your typical person and the typical person in many of these birthing studies historically have been white women. And that ongoing unintended prejudice of a medical system and the ramifications of the disparity in care and the Mm -hmm. disparity of solutions has legacy effects and really can affect populations. This story really speaks to me. And I know throughout the course of this month and into the next month and throughout the course of this week, we're going to be talking about allyship and understanding that when we think about the challenges that populations face, we have to just straight up look at them, not with sort of defense, but instead observation. And that's what I really like about this story is it's noting observation and it's saying, okay, and so we need to do better. So that is definitely a story that I think is well done. Okay. So we'll move on to the next one, which is far less complicated subject, still in the birds and the bees. Decent transition there. My headline today reads six ways to encourage pollinating bees in your garden. Now, we all know it's no Mo May coming up. I am a big birds, bees, and bugs girl. Here's what we can do to encourage more pollinating bees in your garden. Number one, provide drinking water for bees. So, consider adding an outdoor water feature to your yard and remember that bees cannot swim and therefore need something to land on. Water lilies or other floating vegetation make for a great natural floating platform for the bees to stop by and have a sip from your pond or stream. The next suggestion is diversify your plants. So, to keep Bees visiting your yard from early spring to the end of the summer, it's important to have a wide variety of flowers that are blooming at different times. So don't just have a rose garden, put lots of different flowers out there, toss out those wild seeds. Now use non-toxic pest control methods. Even if a chemical pesticide is not itself strong enough to kill something as large as a bee, it will still be toxic to them and affect their health and their pollination capacity. Pesticides that are safe for bees typically use one of the following. There's a whole list of key ingredients that are bee-safe pesticides. Go ahead and, and look at that. I won't read the whole list. And then you can also encourage other insects and birds that prey on pests to come to your yard. Bird feeders, everybody. Most insectivorous animals are not interested in bees. Although, oddly, skunks are bee eaters. So... Yeah, I know.
1: I read that in this article. I was like, "Wow, skunks!" I I wouldn't want a skunk in my yard necessarily,
0: anyways. So. You do not want a skunk in your yard. You also <laughs> don't want the other uh, bee eating wasps. So you know, don't don't welcome those. Use local native plants. These require less upkeep and is more expected for the bees in the area. Grow flowers that attract bees. This seems sort of obvious, but what it is is that bees generally prefer flowers with shallow, flat blossoms. They're easy to see and provide fewer places for bees' natural predator to hide. I love this. Bees prefer flowers of blue, purple, or yellow petals, which is pretty cute. Hmm. And then provide shade. Just like humans, bees don't like excess heat. Heat exhaustion is one of the main reasons you tend to find more bees stuck on the ground and unable to fly on a hot day where they're vulnerable to predators. So Make little bee shade houses for them. More leafy green shade from trees and bushes and shrubbery. So the other day
1: I just got onto the freeway and there was a bee stuck on my windshield. It had landed on my windshield just before I entered the freeway. So I got off on the next exit so I could let it get off of my windshield. (laughs) So you could let it go. (laughs) It might have been too late because it did not look very happy. But still, I didn't want to keep driving 65 miles an hour on the road.
0: Christy. You are truly becoming a bee ally. I love it. Well, guys, we have some other great stories today. There's a headline that reads, the EU is going on a cleanse with the world's biggest chemical ban. These electric chopsticks make low-salt food taste better. And with empathy comes better solutions. Here are three ways to be more empathetic. What else,
1: Kristen? Well, there are food delivery apps that let Zimbabweans abroad support their family at home. I like that. It's like you can order lunch for your uh, grandma. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) New jellyfish species named after Monterey Bay Aquarium Volunteer. That's good. It's like a a volunteer service gets a recognition. More than 25 cities in Wisconsin will participate in No Mo May, another way to support the bees. Yay! And uh, five tips to control ticks this spring and summer, according to the experts. Lots of spring stories and more are on The Optimist Daily. Thank you, everybody, for listening to The Optimist Daily Update. We promise to keep sharing solution-based, positive stories and ways that you can get involved with the world and making it a better place for
0: more of us. We promise to continue to share positive, solution-based stories with ideas on how you can participate in this changing world and ensure it is changed for the good. If you haven't already, please consider becoming an emissary on TheOptimistDaily.com. Christy, what else can they do to support us?
1: Well, to support us for free, or even if you're already an emissary, you can still do this. You can share us on social media, forward a story to a friend through email. Make sure to leave us a positive review on our podcast, on, on whatever podcast player you're listening on, Apple, Spotify, Audible, wherever you're listening Give us five stars and maybe tell everybody why we're a good way to start your day or your drive home or whenever you happen to be listening or your garden. If you're in the garden and you're listening to the Optimist Daily, that's how you can be part of the solution changing consciousness that addresses our world's biggest challenges for that problem solving mindset and help us keep the Optimist Daily free for all who need it.
0: Supported by those who can. Thanks everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with more solutions.